show you how the world goes. AG's we gon' show you how the world goes. AG's Convos, we gon' show you how the world goes. Take a look at the world, we living in it, falling apart. Uh -huh. Put the glass, muscle, and guns, but don't show hard. Uh -huh. Time to spark a conversation, let that be a lesson. everybody welcome back to ag's convos it's 2022 mr boost you over there can you hear me you can hear me but you're not on the mic we got some new stuff going on right now y'all welcome back to ag's convos it's me ag in the gb entertainment studio with mr kenny smith and he is in the engineering room he over get he over there give me the thumbs up ah it's gonna be something different we're gonna have to get you a mic for the next episode bro because you're a part of the conversation, but uh, happy 2022 to everybody, first and foremost. Uh, we are trying to get this thing up and running. We want to start off on the, uh, on the best foot forward, but I'm sorry. The world is crazy right now. I'm, uh, I'm dealing with a lot of craziness in my life, a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of it is surrounding COVID. So despite all the things I want to talk about and do right out the gate, I feel like we need to talk about this issue. Um, I got a couple people that I trust and care about dearly that are knee deep in the COVID issue. So I wanted to run some questions by them just to really get a feel for what's happening in these hospitals. You know, there's a there's a lot of crazy stories out there about the nature of this uh, uh, virus right now and what it's doing to people on the streets and how it's breaking up families and homes. But I saw a story about how it's affecting people in the hospitals and it kind of blew my mind. So I said, let me get some people that I know that work in the hospitals to come and tell me what's really going on. So I've got three individuals as well as myself that's going to conduct this conversation with Boost way over in the distance. You might have to come in here, man. I'm just I'm just saying you might have to jump on the mic and do what you do. But anyway, in the meantime, I got uh, two nurses, one go by Stefan and one go by Crystal. I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, these are people that are close to me and my family. If you know who they are, good. If you don't, don't worry about it. And I also got Dr. K. She's uh, calling in from way over yonder, but uh, she is in the, uh, the thick of this as a doctor, and I think that it's a different uh, it's a different environment for nurses and doctors, so I kind of wanted both perspectives. So, Stefan, what's going on, brother? How you doing? What's going on? How you feeling, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you being here. And Miss Crystal, how are you? Oh, hi. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Thanks for coming. No problem. No and problem. how about you, Dr. K? I'm good. How are you? Very good. I am so happy to have all three of y'all on. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all taking the time to do this and Again, I know this is kind of a crazy issue. So, you know, the story that I saw, it was actually some nurses that were interviewed, I guess, for a news station here locally. So this was predominantly in the Cleveland area. Um, and 
anybody paying attention is probably aware of the fact that Cuyahoga County in Northeast Ohio has really become the hotbed for this virus. So I'm trying to figure out why. That was one of the real things that I couldn't make sense of because the way I see it, it's a lot of craziness and it's a lot of people in much bigger cities than this one. So why is this one so bad? So I don't know if there's really an answer for that. Um, before I, I guess, before I get into that, uh, can y'all share your experience a little bit, Stefan? What's your uh, what's your, your experience in this field? Uh, Tenure. You got it. Well, well it's, yeah. it's kind of, I would say, front line, because even though I still work on the back end of it, I still have to go to sites. I still have to sometimes, you know, talk to patients or things of that nature. Um, so I would say mostly back end, so I see a lot of the studies. Okay. Um, and... Uh, just a small bit of frontline. Okay. And how about you, Miss Krista? Um, well, um frontline for sure, sure. I work with it almost daily. Um mm. I actually work at a nursing home, not a hospital. So okay. it's a little bit different, but um COVID is COVID and Yeah it is. Real and I'm dealing with it every day. That's crazy. But it is it is the situation and you know it's part of the reason why i brought it up is because of some of the personal experiences i'm dealing with particularly in your environment um, i'll touch on that in a minute and dr k what uh what's your experience like with this COVID situation right now i'm a pediatrician but i work in a hospital so i see it every day in kids in the hospital which i think is important to put out there because for some reason, people got the message early on that it doesn't affect kids, and that is extremely false. And mm. with every new variant, we're seeing worse effects on kids, and we definitely have lots of hospitalized children with COVID. Yeah, yeah and that makes it a little scarier, especially with this new variant. So I want to better understand if there's anything in particular that's actually happening that's causing that. Um, I like I like to better understand, it, and I know the people listening in as well would too. So. Getting back to my situation, I guess what kind of brought up the sense of urgency, um, you know, you guys know me, so you know a lot about my family and some of the things we're dealing with. Um, in the last, what's, what's since, since Christmas, I've had three uncles pass away, two from COVID and one that was not related to COVID, but I think because of the COVID situation, it affected the level of care he was able to receive in the facility because everybody's overwhelmed with all these other things that's going on. So, you know, I think a big part of it is kind of the, the trauma that you guys are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't see that unless we have somebody in the hospital. We can barely visit the people we know that are in the hospital. So if y'all don't mind, I'll just go around a table and I'll start uh, in alphabetical order. So it'll be Crystal, Dr. K, and then Stefan. Um, and I'm I just want to pose a few different questions to you guys to kind of speak on your understanding of what's happening. And I guess first and foremost, you know, does anybody have any idea why this area is so heavily um, concentrated with this virus, Crystal? Um, no. I mean, I don't have an answer for that. Um. There's nothing. You guys aren't seeing any information on your side that's alluding to any causes i think the problem with that is just it's a lot of misinformation yeah so you technically don't have a hard set answer on anything yeah <coughs> yeah 
for a particular area. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like we get more transient, you know, airport traffic or right. anything crazy like that. You right. know, this isn't like the Greyhound hub for buses or anything crazy. Right. May I, if I want to guess, one maybe like um, homeless yeah. people. Um, you know, we. I know my facility is uh, getting more of those. You know, in the winter time, you get more people from shelters and homeless, and you know that then they coming in with it from the hospital. So. Mm. Yeah, I guess I, I never I thought guess about that. One that yeah. that would be one place one. Reason why. Yeah. How about you, Doc? I mean, again, I like Stefan said, a lot of it is, you know, theories and not proven yet. I could speculate perhaps, you know, in March of 2020, when this first hit, we did a lot of locking down and our area in particular in Northeast Ohio, we did do virtual schooling, mandatory masking, locking down. And so maybe we didn't get hit as hard initially as some of the other locations. We know we didn't get hit as hard in Northeast Ohio as, for example, New York, Louisiana. Um, and now we have more variants that are even more contagious, but we're not doing any of those measures anymore. Mm. Kids are back in school. Everyone's going back to life as usual. And we've just been told that we have to accept the deaths that COVID brings. And mm. so maybe that's why our area is harder now. So you think some of it might be just the, the state rules that are allowing people to be a little more lax? Um, yeah, in combination. And we're not the only state with lax rules, but maybe it's in combination with the fact that we didn't get hit too hard the first time around yeah. as hard as some. And so maybe that's why there's more people left to get it and to be suffering these consequences. I got you. And, you know, in Northeast Ohio is kind of like the medical hub of the world. So who knows if maybe there's people coming from outside sources that might be mm. bringing something into this area. Uh, you know, I think of the hospitals in this uh, region, you know, they're they're very high profile facilities, uh, mm -hmm. your metros and treating clinics and everything else. But um, I just I just don't know if that is a part of the problem or a part of, you know, anything that we're dealing with. I'm, I'm just curious about that. Um, but, you know, I guess now that we understand what we're dealing with, I'm just curious if there's any, um, if there's any steps that the hospitals are really taking. Because, again, you guys as frontline workers, you're the ones that are dealing with the influx of people. You know, we're hearing these stories about families that can't get in and see their loved ones that are sick. Um, I'm going to get to what you guys are doing to kind of cope with that, but what are the hospitals, the facilities that you guys work for, be it a hospital or a nursing home, are they making the proper steps to keep you all protected from the grief and the, the, the PTSD almost? Um, I believe if you were to speak up, maybe. Um. I would definitely have to agree with that. Like, they, they offer um, a lot of facilities across Northeast Ohio, if I've heard offer like you know counseling and things of that okay. nature um to deal with it um but again that's on an individual person basis to have to speak up speak up okay so it, it's on the individual on the employee mm -hmm. yeah 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 
If they, but they, um, they give you. I mean, they got the information like right numbers to call and things of that nature. kind of thing. Things that yeah, people have been in contact with. I don't know. Um, I'm, I don't know if Dr. K or Crystal has heard about anything. I haven't heard of anything like you know like a standard groups that meet or anything like that. I haven't right. heard that, but that's not to say that some facilities are not offering that. Right. Um, I'm not sure. I got you. How about on your end, Doc? Yeah, we have a lot of support available within our network. So I think they're certainly trying. It's just a matter of finding time to take care of patients and take care of yourself, which is hard. Yeah, and that was the part about that story that really kind of, you know, caught me. It was, you know, one of the nurses was talking about how they can barely cope with the fact that they've tried for hours or in some cases days on end to save somebody who, you know, you kind of know doesn't really have a chance for survival. Uh, you just stick with them as long as you can. And before you're even coping with the fact that you failed at the only job you tried to do, there's already another patient in front of you going through the exact same thing. So is there even really time for y'all to even deal with this stuff? No. <laughs> I'm about to say the decompress, not really. No. Mm. And they over overworking us like like they want us to work every day, all day. Mm. They they not caring about you got family at home to sell. You tired as you just did these many days in a row. They don't they're not concerned about that right now. They just need someone in the building to provide care, which I get it. So that's why I'm one of the people that's there almost every day. Yeah, it, I so. mean it takes. It takes a lot of willpower to do what you guys do. I mean, the average person that get tired standing at a cash register for McDonald's for too long, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And they be ready to quit because mm -hmm. people want burgers. People want burgers, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And y'all dealing mm -hmm. with life and death situations and just having to absorb all of that, you know, yep. round after round after round. So I don't know that you guys get enough credit for what you do, and you'll hear me say it quite a few times throughout this conversation that you deserve more even if you feel like you get enough because I don't think there is enough, to be honest. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a heavy load to bear. Um, you know, but it, it also brings up the question to me of, you know, we know you're overworked because there aren't a ton of people available to deal with this. What what happened? I remember nursing and, you know, the medical field being like the go-to field. What do you think happened that all of a sudden there's nobody available to take on some of this burden anymore? Well, that can come from several different things, but I'm pretty sure anybody in the nursing field knows that nursing numbers go up and down all the time. So five years from now, it'll be a surplus of too many nurses. What causes that? Um, just schooling, retirements is just several different reasons. Okay. Some people go into different traits as far as somebody like myself right. went to school for nursing, but end up more on the technology side. Okay. Um, so it can be from several different reasons. Um, and one right now is COVID. I got a lot of friends or coworkers who will not work if the building has COVID at all. Oh, really? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're adamant and stuck on you know they don't they don't want to work it like they won't even come in the building so because mm. they want to protect themselves and their yeah, families and their families yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yep. i've heard of several nurses who actually you know during the height of covid when we went on lockdown they found other streams of income okay you know some people maybe selling stuff or 
eBay or any of those other shopping sites and stuff like that. So th- that causes people to, you know, be a shortage. And I mm-hmm. think that's not even just nursing. I think that that's kind of like. Yeah, that's kind of global at this yeah. point. Yeah, we're seeing a, a severe drop in employee availability as it is. And I think that that's a that's a topic for another day. But um, I'm guessing it's affecting the medical field just as much as anything else. Dr. K, you on the same page? You think uh, you're seeing the same issues out there? Yeah, absolutely. We have a severe nursing shortage at my institution as well. You know, part of it, it's at the end of the day, almost a million Americans are dead who weren't dead before COVID. You know, right. we've hit almost a million COVID deaths. So a lot of those people were working in the medical field and now oh, yeah. they aren't here to work anymore. And then we have a lot of people who are scared and want to protect their families and themselves and don't want to expose themselves to this every day. And then we have a huge portion of nurses, docs, ancillary staff who are burnt out and they can't work anymore. Mm. And they need to take a break for their own sanity because they can't keep up with what they were doing for the last two years. Yeah, I, I didn't think about the number of medical staff workers that have been lost to the virus. Yeah, I mean, if that doesn't scare you from a field, then what will, you know? You're, it's it, it's no different from the military at that point. Do you really want to strap on a gun in the middle of a war and, and join the military? I guess if you think about it that way, yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure enrollment or enlistment in the military probably drops during wartime as well, unless you're just gung-ho about, you know, death, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we're some, some people out there like that too. Now, I mean, with those being the issues, there really isn't much a hospital can do to turn that around because they don't control who needs the help. They just deal with the people who need the help. So is it really on the facilities to change the mindset of the employees of the nurses and doctors? Or is it is it really just about dealing with the virus? I mean, do we want to put it on the government and say they need to fix it or is it the is it a workplace thing? I don't know the right answer. I do think that it's interesting that in Northeast Ohio, different hospital institutions have taken different, they've kind of taken different routes of doing this. So some institutions have kept the mandate that their healthcare workers need to be immunized against COVID. And um, I know one of the major organizations didn't. And I think that it was probably because that organization was already so short staffed that they were afraid they might lose even more and they couldn't afford to lose them. So um, I think that's been something that some hospitals have strategically chosen to do is not mandate vaccines because they didn't want to lose any more people than they already had. But other than providing adequate PPE and making sure people feel supported, I don't really know what you can do. And of course, you know, paying them higher rates. You know, you bring up a good point, which is the vaccine. And, you know, I guess I got a two-part question. You might have, if that's, if the vaccine is working as we're being led to believe it's supposed to, and if the medical community agrees with the narrative that's out there right now, because, you know, there was a new CDC uh, decision made that, now you only have to um, quarantine for five days. Mm-hmm. If you have it, you know, if, if you test positive, you have to quarantine for five days and then you have to wear a mask for another five. I just saw that earlier today, new COVID guidelines. And it's like. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily 
because that will protect the most people, but because corporations need yes. people to get back to work. Right, right, yes. And you can almost smell that. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You knew yeah. that was the motivation behind it, but it's like, what, it, what, are, you, what are you doing to the people if you're mm-hmm. literally cutting the mandate in half? And again, first, I mean, I guess first question is first. How do you feel about the vaccine as a medical staff employee? 93% of patients hospitalized with COVID right now in my region are unimmunized. Okay. So it's doing its job. It's saving lives. It's preventing hospitalizations. Okay. That's 93%. 93. That's, that's a big number. That's, that's pretty <laughs> telling. a large number. Yeah. Are you guys feeling the same way? It's, it's at least effective? Um, I think it's effective. Well, I just speak personally, you know, I was kind of against it at first, like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't know what it is. So I did my own research, you know, educated myself on it and um, decided that it is something that I want to do. And I did. And, you know, everything was fine um, so far. You didn't grow um, a third leg? I didn't. <laughs> or I, so. Yeah. Still look um, the same to me. <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I was nervous, but I did so, and I got one of my kids. Uh, you know, took it, but the other one, she's old enough to make her own decisions, and she said no. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm trying to, you know, let her be independent and make right. her own decisions. So, you know, all I can do is educate her on it, and she has her own reasoning and. It is what it is, but I, I mean, from what I have learned about it, um, it makes sense to me um, that, yeah, you still can catch it, but it lessens your chance of your systems and, I mean, As Dr. K said, that's why the 93% is like that. It helps people from not being hospitalized. Yes, yes, I I believe that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah, you, you got a better chance of survival. Yes, and you know anybody that listens to this podcast know that you know I've talked about it probably in forty-eight episodes, forty-nine episodes. I probably talked about it twenty times, and the first ten, it was like, keep that needle away from me. I don't know what it is. You know, um, I had a conversation with an inmate in the prison system who had caught COVID, and. As you can imagine, it's a different environment in there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we'll get to you if we feel like it, not when we have time to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came up that that's actually, it was never stated in the media, but that's actually what ended up killing uh, Anthony Sowell, Anthony Sowell, the the serial killer. He ended up getting COVID. The guy that I interviewed was laying next to him in a bed. He made it out. My dude did, but as we know, Anthony Sowell died. He died in a medical center down in Columbus while dealing with COVID. So, you know, it, it's not the same experience for everybody. It's not the same explanation for everybody. But, you know, after I heard that, I was like gung-ho on getting it. Then I did some research and I found that their system and I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. And then COVID got worse and everybody I knew around me started doing it. And I decided to 
open an establishment that is meant to be open to the public. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't go in there if I was uncomfortable because somebody didn't do it. So and then the medical, you know, uh, information became a little more prevalent and people like Dr. K said, don't come around me if you don't take it. And I'm like, <laughs> but I love you. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, nah, bruh, keep your distance. So, you know, th there was enough people that I knew and trusted that encouraged me to do it. So I did it. And, you know, I think I, I'm still normal. <laughs> as normal as normal can be. But again, uh, you know, that's, that's a few people that are understanding it. Why do you think the message is so confusing to the general public? Um, the not knowing. Yeah, I think a lot of people take one piece of a string and just run with it. Mm -hmm. um, they'll see a death or a fatality from an injection. And not saying that, you know, to speak ill of anyone, who fatally died from it, but I wouldn't take that one and just run. Um, right. There's other circumstances that that person could have had going on or anything like that. You always have to, you know, and please don't Google diagnose yourself or right. <laughs> I think Google that's a research. Big part of it, yeah. Like, just don't, because you're going to get a lot of information. The internet is a very large place and it's, it can put misinformation yeah, very out there for no problem. Yeah. Yeah, Google MD is about the worst thing <laughs> yeah. in the world. Uh, a lot of self-medicating. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people do now. They see something and they just try to, you know, they try to research it, Google it, and they might feel one way about it, and they just keep going with it. Yeah, and and I'm a big fan of politics, so, you know, what I mean by that is I pay attention to it, I study it, and I know you know, how influential it can be into the general public, even if it's not necessarily a person listening to a senator or a governor or the president or whatever. If their employers are and their employers are putting that information out there, they're saying, oh, you don't have to get the vaccine or you don't have to quarantine or you don't have to take off work because we need you here because their opinion of politics is in line with one side of the coin that says, hurry up and get your people back to work. Don't worry about getting sick. We'll weed out the wheat. You know what I mean? If that's what your political direction is and you run a massive organization, so you're telling people to come to work, you may not be you know, in line with that belief, but you're still following the same bad information. Um, and I think I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of people that I know that are saying, well, I don't really know if I should take it or not, but my job won't cover it or my insurance won't cover it or my boss doesn't care. People are coming in here sick all the time and they're not sending them home. I mean, that's that's not misinformation. That's literally bad information. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you got the other people who feel like no one's going to tell me what to do with my body. Yeah. When they was trying to force and make make you do it. Right. A lot of people. Just on that alone, you're not going to tell me that I have to do something. Right. So for that, they're not going to do it. What do you think about that group, Doc? Dr. K? I think, I mean, I think it is a minority of people who really just don't want to do it just to be ignorant. And I think the vast majority of people who aren't getting the vaccine are truly scared because of, you know, hundreds of years worth of a small percentage of people in the medical community and pharmaceutical community being bad people. Yeah. And so there's already a lot of mistrust when it comes to vaccines. Just, you know, your run-of-the-mill normal childhood vaccines. You already have a lot of people who don't trust those. 
and then you introduce this new vaccine that hasn't been studied for decades. The internet is a blessing and a curse. I like when people have read about problems before they come see me, but at the same time, sometimes they're reading very bad sources and it makes things a lot harder. Yeah, it's 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 super convoluted now. That's that that's that mm-hmm. Google that Google Doc. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, so so you got all of this information. You got families coming in confused. You know, you got people that do get it that still die. I mean, it's all over the place. It really is all over the place. Um, how do you guys handle the families when they're you know in that? state of panic like you know my kid especially in your case dr k you know you, you're dealing with minorities and children um, I, I haven't seen a lot as far as statistics on children that have been terminally ill from the virus i'm, I'm assuming it's it's a real thing um, everybody can't fight it off um, mm-hmm. is there is there a right way for a relative to approach the situation when they're coming into the hospital as a i mean it's hard to not let emotion take over when somebody you care about and love is sick. But what should the, what should the families be conscious of, you know, coming through the door as it relates to how you can deal with it or what you guys are doing for them? Is there anything they need to know they don't? We're in a, we're in a different situation than a lot of the adult hospitals where they haven't been allowed visitors at all because we rely on parents. We need them there to help take care of the kids and we need them there to help tell us what's been going on so that we can figure out what we need to do for the kids. So we have not had to limit visitors as much as adult hospitals who can. We need parents there. So at least we haven't had patients who are, you know, all the awful stories of adult patients dying alone in the hospital. That's not happening because we don't do that with the kids. We have always still allowed at least one family member and um, eventually we got to a point where we were able to allow two family members in the hospital with the child. So we haven't had the devastating scenes that you've seen in the adult world where adults are dying alone in the hospital because we rely on parents and caregivers. We need them to be there helping us take care of the sick children and providing us the history of what's been going on with the kids. So we haven't had that awful devastating scene that's been going on at the adult hospitals. Um, But obviously we have a lot of very overstressed parents, caregivers, as well as overstressed staff who are short staffed and burnt out. And I would say the most important thing you can do is just try to know where the other person is coming from. Everyone wants what's best for the child we may just disagree on the best way to get there. And hearing some of the stories from some of the nurses of the way that they're talked to and treated by stressed parents, it really breaks my heart. Um, And I just wish people could just give each other a little bit more grace and try, even though everyone's really stressed out in the heat of the moment, to try to just be kind to each other and know that we're all trying to reach the same goal at the end of the day. Absolutely. You guys echo the same sentiment you think well, I mean, you're, you're not dealing with, you're not, you don't have the luxury of a lot of family participation. Um, you know, I know uh, my uncle that died earlier this week, he was for the most part alone, you know what I mean? Because there wasn't a lot of, you know, opportunity for anybody to go in there with him. And he was fairly young, you know, he's maybe 58 this 
month, you know. So it's not like, um, I mean, he had other health issues, and again, COVID wasn't his issue. And I think that's the part that makes it a little more frustrating for me is because it's not so much about what COVID is doing as a virus. It's about the environment that it's creating because of its, you know, massiveness, you know. He's completely, and like you said, you're in a, a nursing home, you know. These are things that hospitals should be dealing with, but it's every medical facility out there. If you have a medical staff member, you're probably coping with somebody struggling with COVID, and nine times out of ten, they're probably doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that can't be that can't be the kind of thing you just go home and turn on The Simpsons and just flush out of your head, you know. So I, I completely understood the nature of that story that I read, um, and it, but it also at it posed the question for me, how do the medical staff interact with each other? Are you guys a support system to each other? Do you see a lot of in-house tension between doctors and nurses or nurses and nurses? Um, oh, definitely a support system. Yeah, I was about to say, I know definitely. in my organization, it is a complete support system. Yeah. Has it always been that way? Uh, with yeah, COVID? For, yeah. For the, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even before COVID. Has there always um, been kind of a camaraderie between no, the No, I'm going to be honest. Me personally, um, I think from traveling and everything else that I've done, I think it got better. That's good. I think um, providers and nurses are now communicating better. Awesome. Um, I think that has gotten better, especially in certain facilities, because you have certain facilities that are provider-driven, mm-hmm. and then you have other facilities that, you know, nursing unions, that nurses kind of drive a lot. Um, I think it got a lot better. I think, I hate to say this, but that's a positive that it came out of the situation. Yeah. Because, I, you know, and I mentioned it um, very early on because we were talking about so many people were saying they didn't trust the vaccine because it came out too fast and it got approved too fast. But, you know, I brought up the, the I made the point personally that I think that because the world had a a very imminent threat, it took it upon itself the the entire medical community globally to find a solution and if we put our heads together we can pretty much come up with anything so of course you know we came up with it fast because the longer it took the more people were going to die and i don't think anybody really wanted that so i think the the medical community seems to have collaborated around this effort to slow this thing down so if that's trickling down to the staff members as well then that's a plus um what about the doctors dr k are you guys um are you networking better now? Oh, definitely supporting each other. And then, you know, nurses supporting us, us supporting nurses, and all the other staff as well. I think um, it's always been important to us, but now I think, like Stefan said, I think it's even more now, you know, when if a partner of mine is admitting a kid who's the same age as one of my kids for MISC, which is a life-threatening complication that kids get after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, you know, they may reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm sure this is impacting you. You know, it's another one who's your daughter's age. Are you okay? You know, just thinking about little things like that because, you know, I do see my kids in my patients. I And I do think about what it would be like when I hear that my patient's mom is no longer here because she passed away from COVID. And now I've got this, you know, newborn with her three siblings who doesn't have a mom anymore. You know, we, we do take it home with us and we do need people to support us and to be thinking about us. And, you know, we, we care deeply about our patients and their families. And 
we definitely need that support because it really wears on you. Yeah, you know, I have a, I have a lot of family in the medical field um, in one capacity or another. And, you know, every time I see these stories, I think about all of them. And I think about the fact that there's a lot of people like me. Everybody, everybody like you has somebody like me. You know, everybody in the medical community has a relative that's worried about them. So, you know, I think it, it's no different than any other aspect of our society. We all have something to rally around because we all share in an experience, which is just, if nothing else, survival. And we have this real thing trying to take us out of here. So you would think that even the general public would rally around the doctors and the nurses. Um, you know, I have a platform, obviously, I can shed a little bit more light on it than other people can, but it doesn't take a lot of effort to go to a hospital and just, you know, say thank you, you know what I mean? Or, and, and I'm assuming because I've been in stressful situations where, you know, you're dealing with people that um, don't necessarily know how to overcome something, but uh, you show them a way or you help them through a process and even complete strangers will come up to me and say, hey, I saw what you did. And, you know, I appreciate seeing that effort and knowing that there's still people out here that try to make that happen. And, you know, I want to do that here. I want people that are listening to do that whenever you get a chance. I'm not saying walk into a hospital full of COVID patients and start clapping. You know what I mean? But you're going to see a nurse in the doctor's office or you're going to see a nurse in the grocery store. You know, show some support because they're struggling. They're struggling real hard. And I think any and everything that you can do to help will help. Um, you know, but you, you brought up something earlier, Stefan. You brought up nursing um, unions. And I know there's a lot of different methodologies about how to hire nurses. It's almost like any other field now. Some people are W-2 employees, and a lot of them are 1099 and, you know, independent employees. Um, I know there's, like, different avenues now that people are taking where they just nurse when they feel like it, and when they don't, they can kind of cut off the spigot and go home. Uh, I'm not really sure what those – maybe, Dr. K, you can speak to that a little better, what – what that's really about, and whether or not it's helping or hurting the situation. I don't know. I, we have, I mean, a lot of hospitals have gone to having to hire temporary nurses, traveling nurses, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I mean, we still have a lot of our regular nurses as well who've been there that's and real, are, you know, have been working full shifts <coughs> overtime this whole time as well. That's commitment. So I don't, I don't really know as much about that side of things. Um, the one thing I will say, like in the pediatric world, um, those nurses are different. Yeah. Those nurses is a little, they, they, they compassion level is a little different. So yeah. I can see them sticking to it. Um, I just think a lot, a lot of nurses, it, it's a financial gain for them. If I can be at home and, you know, my facility is offering me $35 an hour, but I can take a 13-week contract somewhere else and they're paying me $120 an hour, mm. it's a it's a, it's a a bigger financial gain for them. Is that drastic a difference? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a huge difference. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's a, like literally a 200% <laughs> It's just retarded. And oh, then all wow. of your, your – Travel, yeah, is paid for. and all that. Yeah, travel like, expenses. So y'all remember from me, 
my hotels, my cars, yeah. everything was paid for. So basically, I go to work, I pick up a check. Mm. I'm not paying for anything. My food is being paid for every day. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just kind of contract work. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I feel like it is hurting the hospitals. But I do understand from an individual person that I have to feed my family. Mm-hmm. And I want to make more money. Right. And, and, you know, especially prior to COVID, you were doing it because that was the nature of your job. Mm-hmm. Um, has that slowed down at all for you since COVID started? Or are, are they, you know, begging uh, or requiring you to stay close to home now? Oh, no. I, I, I still get tons of contracts in my email. Do you? Yeah. Um, they are they're even more thirstier now for me to come out than anything. Right. Um, even on the information side. Yeah. Even more. Hmm. Um, because <coughs> it, again, it's a shortage all throughout the hospital. Even, even the environmental workers in the hospital are short. Environmental workers. Yeah, people that got to clean the rooms. Oh, I got you. Oh, they, yeah. They're short. It's yeah. just not. Ju- it's just not one string like you know from providers to nurses. Right. Just the simplest person who got to change the sheets. Yeah. They're short. They're overworked. Yeah. The staff working in the cafeteria. The yep. people cleaning. Yeah. Every on every level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we're seeing a employee shortage from top to bottom, from, you know, the, the sweepers in Walmart to the CEOs at major corporations. So it obviously makes sense that in a hostile, toxic environment like a hospital dealing with a global pandemic, it's not going to be any easier or any better. Um, and, and I'm assuming some of these agencies and these contract-based um, entities you're talking about is that specifically for like the medical staff the nurses and doctors yeah yeah, yeah. Um, for doctors um, sometimes it's a little bit harder um, because you know they're not always they don't always have prescription rights and then they got to go through a whole different board to get you know accreditations at a hospital okay so it's a little bit harder for them right. um, for nurses typically it depends on where you get your license at okay um, you can work in several states um, so that's a little bit different. And okay. I'm pretty sure Dr. K can speak to the doctor side way better than I could. Right, right. Um, but I, I do know it's a little bit different for them. Yeah. What do you think, Doc? I know you're fairly committed. I know you're, your passion is in the little ones. Um, do you see yourself taking a contract to go into another field? No. So <laughs> I think, I I don't know. It, it, pediatrics is different because it's just, I mean, peds is the lowest paid medical specialty. So if you're doing peds as a doctor, you're doing it because you love the kids. You're not doing it for the money. Right. So um, you're, but I will say, I think as more and more people get burnt out doing medicine, and this is in all fields, I think we're losing some people who are just not going to do clinical medicine anymore and they'll go be a doctor who works for an insurance company Mm. or does something like that where they can work a nine to five, you know, 40 hours a week, no nights, holidays, weekends, 80 hour weeks and get paid just as much, if not more Mm. and actually get to see their families and things like that. Right. And they're probably not as exposed to the virus, I'm assuming. Right. If you're not working clinically, you're not getting exposed either. Right. Interesting. So, I mean, what what is the what do you think the future looks like for nursing? I know you said the the staff kind of ebbs and flows, and 
it has its peaks and valleys. Do you do you see people? Do you see a lot of nursing students still coming through the ranks, um, or are people a little more timid now about getting into that field? Um, no, I actually think a lot of people are joining. Um, you have a lot of social media controls a lot. Yeah. Um, <coughs> if a nurse goes on social media and says, "Hey," In the past two months, I made thirty thousand dollars. Right, that's motivation. Some yeah, somebody will literally look at that and be like, "Oh, I'm about to sign up for nursing school tomorrow." Yeah, not understanding of what they're doing. You right. know what I'm saying? That person probably traveled um, and staying in a hotel, working five or six days a week, right? Twelve hour days. They see the end number, but they don't see the work that that person put in. Right. So I don't think it will be a shortage. I actually think the number will go up. Hmm. But will those individuals be more <laughs> likely to jump ship once they see what they're getting themselves into? As far as traveling or as far as staying at home? Well, as far as staying in the medical field. It, it, I mean, it seems to me, I mean, and I'm not talking about a high schooler who doesn't have a measuring stick. You know, I'm talking about people who are either older or of age. Um, you know, maybe they tried a different career, didn't like it, and now they want to get into something a little more suitable because I think of nursing right now kind of like the manufacturing industry used to be. You know, when when manufacturing was hot, it was the place to be. You couldn't get enough people on the line. They were hiring, paying crazy money, but it didn't stop you from getting all of these physical ailments from being on that, you know, on that machine line for forever. And a lot of those guys will, oh, crap, this is more work than I was expecting and jump ship. You know, it takes a little bit more effort to become a nurse and a little bit more investment to become a nurse. So hopefully they ride it out. But, you know, there's a lot of college students that drop out before they become sophomores. Do, do you think nurses will do the same thing if they're trying to jump into it for the wrong reasons? Uh, definitely. Because I think, and Chris will probably definitely attest to this, um, nurses who get in it for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. don't last long. Oh, okay. It, like Dr. J said, like when it comes, like you you have to be compassionate and, and want to do this. Right. This is not something that you can be like, oh, you know what? I want to pick a new career. Let me be a nurse. Right. It's not easy. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. Because you're like anybody is going to come to a point to where they're going to feel, I'm doing a lot of work and I feel like I should be getting paid more. And to be honest, nurses or in doctors, like, mm -hmm. you know, you do a lot of work and you're, you're giving your heart. You do a lot of crying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and saying, why me? Why? Right. Why? So, you you know, you're going to, and if, you, if you're not doing the crying, you're a person that's going to turn around and see the negative out of it. Because mm -hmm. you're not being compassionate. You're just worried about your bottom dollar. Right. So, you I think those, and they then you have the And then you have the people who been in the medical field for a very long time that necessarily wasn't nurses you know you got your stmas your cnas mm -hmm. so they want to you know move up and a lot of them do do that so with that being said i think you know it'll grow it'll it continue to grow because you, you it, that's where your heart is that you've been doing it for so long mm -hmm. so it's just about stepping up and opportunities coming up yeah yep yep how about the doctors oh, i was actually thinking even as far as the nurses i i think and maybe i'm just being 
idealistic or optimistic, but I think for for every potential young person who may see someone talking online about how much money they made as a nurse in a few shifts, I think there's also going to be people who are young and lost a loved one mm. either to COVID or, you know, the other tragic situation like you were talking about, Arthur, as far as losing a loved one because the hospital didn't have adequate staff to take care of them for their problem that wasn't COVID because they were overwhelmed with all the COVID. And I think young people are seeing that happen to their family members and they're saying, I want to be a part of making this better. I want to go into medicine as a nurse, a doctor, you know, whatever the profession may be. I want to go into the field and try to make this better and, you know, try to help staff the hospitals, try to take care of the patients, try to advocate for people to get the best care. I hope that through this tragedy, there are people who will come from that as well, instead of, you know, all the people who are looking at this and saying, good God, why would anyone ever want to go into medicine? I think there's also people who are saying, oh, the medical field really needs me. Hmm. Yeah, it's, that is a very optimistic uh, take <laughs> on it, and no, I, I, I'm with it. You know, I'm I'm an optimistic optimistic person, optimist um, by nature. But Arthur, think about it. It's the same with what you said earlier about like you know how some people, um, if a war started, they'll mm-hmm. sign yep. up for that war mm-hmm. to help, and that's the same people that she's describing. Right. That's that same characteristic of that compassion that wants to help a situation instead of shy from that situation. Right. Right. And, you know, and we see it in multiple facets of life and business, nonprofit organizations, people that literally just do the work. I mean, ministry is mm-hmm. essentially helping for free. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are people that literally do it for little to nothing, you know, missions and traveling around the world and trying to help homeless people and working in soup kitchens and things of that nature. So I think it remains, it, it needs to be, you know, restated that, the world isn't a horrible place. Um, there's still really good people out here, um, but the ones that are taking on this burden are carrying a lot of weight. And I, I personally just feels like, feel like there's more that the general public can do to ease that pain. Part of it being, you know, just be a little more patient. You know, understand that you have an individual in your family that might be ill with a virus that is of no fault of their own, but it's definitely not a, of the fault of the nurse that's trying to save his life or the doctor that's trying to save his life, you know, b- that just put somebody in the bag and now they're trying to keep your loved one out of a bag and they're just as worried about them as you are, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm speaking that because I think we all know it, but we don't necessarily express it. We don't say it. We don't say it out loud. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I might lose one loved one when that individual just lost eight patients, you know, over the last 48 hours. So maybe you should take a step back and think about the totality of what's happening, not just the direct impact. And I've always seen a lot of selfishness and I've always seen a lot of personal grief and a lot of personal frustrations and a lot of personal irritations because of what an individual has to deal with and very little compassion or, or, you know, acknowledgement of the bigger picture. So, you know, I wanted to get you guys on here so that people can start to see the bigger picture. You know, I'll post that story on the episode so you can read what these particular nurses were talking about. I mean, they went into detail about how the bodies are handled and 
you know, listening to the, the family members of a patient you just lost screaming through the hallways while you're sitting next to somebody else who's hoping against hope that their person might live when you know in your head that there's no way they can, but you don't want to tell them that, you know what I mean? And that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with as an individual. And you guys are trained to help people survive, you know, and I know there's a part of it that comes with helping people cope with loss or dealing with that loss yourself. But, you know, there, there should be other people doing that. There should be other people helping you guys, taking some of that burden off of you. But I see a lot of nurses getting berated because, you know, you got my hopes up. I thought he was going to make it. I didn't think it was that bad. Why was his room so dirty? Why is his clothes dirty? It's like, seriously, there's four people on this floor and there's 40 patients. You know, we're doing the best we can. That's what I'm seeing. So, (laughs) you know, and and again, I, I, I commend you all for putting in the effort to try to save lives. I mean, that in and of itself is a as an accomplishment, just making the effort. A lot of people won't even make the effort. But, you know, before we get off of here, I, I do want to let y'all get back to your families and your loved ones. You clearly don't get enough time with them. Um, Crystal, is it? Excuse me. Yeah, Crystal. I couldn't remember if I could say your name or not. <laughs> Crystal, is there anything that you that think... That would have been too late. <laughs> that, right, I know. Is there anything that you think the 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 people that are listening need to know that we haven't brought to their attention yet before we get off? Um, I think we covered everything um, for the most part. I mean, this job is not easy. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard. It's emotional. Um, you know, we put our life at risk every day. You know, I could take this home to my family, you know, but I'm here. I come to work every day. I, you know, do the proper precautions I need to do. Um, but, yeah, just it's, it's not easy. And, you know. Be patient. Be, be patient. Yes, yes, yes. You want to add anything to that, Dr. K? I agree. Be, be patient. Try to be kind. Know that um, everybody is trying their hardest I commend the adult provider community because I know that they have been going through far worse than what we have even been going through you know we don't want any child to die so you know the the child deaths are terrible but I know that there have been many many more adult deaths and I don't know how the adult providers are still going. I really don't. I commend all of you who are taking care of all these patients and have been for the last two years, and I thank you. Amen. What about you, uh, Stefan? Anything you want to add before we take off here? No, I, I, I agree with both of them. I definitely do. Yeah. Um, just be. And then for those who, you know, who family member is going to work, uh, just don't be afraid to have a conversation with them. Just as, you know, that person might have to reach out to help, but that help person can be right at home. Just to have that, you know, that significant other or that anybody to just, hey, how was your day? Yeah, he asks me that every day. Which <laughs> yeah. I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> just something that simple, because sometimes, you know, that could have been, you know, that can save somebody just from their sanity. Right. Yeah. Vent and talk to him yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. Not complaining that you've been gone all day, but no. You know, 
Did, say yeah. Acknowledge what I've been dealing with. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Hey, how how was it? Was you, yeah. you good? How? You know, I think that would definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's a make or break for people when it helps. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of you guys are working. You know, couples working split shifts. They don't. They rarely get to see each other. The kids are at home twiddling their thumbs, hoping that both of y'all come home before they go to sleep and it just don't work out that way you know mm-hmm. there's there's a third shift in this industry and mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of families have to deal with and i can't imagine going four five six days without seeing my significant other because i'm dealing with death you know what i mean so i'm glad you brought that up because i do think that needed to be heard so you know like i said it's getting late i really appreciate you guys for coming on and and having this conversation with me you know i'm I'm so happy now we can kind of do these in-studio sessions and actually sit and talk in a <laughs> spacious environment and, you know, have Ken on the other side probably playing a video game because he's not talking right now, but <laughs> I don't blame him. But he actually works in the industry as well. He's in the uh, VA hospital, so oh, he's yeah. seeing it on this probably on the same level you are, Crystal, you know, mm-hmm. a, an older population. but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I show my gratitude to him every time I get a chance for what he put in, and I wanted to do the same for you guys today. Um, this, this episode will be posted on Sunday. You know, I, I usually record on Wednesday, post on Sunday. And I'm sure there will be some feedback. Anybody wants some questions or anything answered, I might uh, bring those up to you. But I will never say a name, so don't worry. If you didn't hear the name today, you ain't going to hear it. <laughs> if but anyone doc- has any questions about vaccines, please encourage them to ask their doctor. Hmm. Ask a doctor. Don't ask Google. Ask a doctor. <laughs> Get your vaccine. Wear your mask. It's still going. A lot of people think it's over. Just want to put that out there. I'm right. glad she said that because I, I second that. <laughs> Please go. Go even, to the source. Yeah, e- even if you Google it, take your Google to your doctor. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's fine. <laughs> take your Google to your doctor. Let even if you got it on your yep. phone, Google it in front of them. Talk about yep. it. Right. I'm pretty sure no doctor is gonna be like, oh, you know what? Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of them will have a conversation because right. they got your best interests at heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well said. Well, thanks again, folks. I appreciate everybody for coming in, and I appreciate you all for listening. And if you can't do nothing else, wear a mask. I don't care what nobody say on TV. That's this right. is AG's Convos, and we out. Thank you. We going to show you how the world goes. AG's Convos. We going to show you how the world goes.